Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. And good gardening to you and your plants as well. Whether outside or inside those plants, those poor plants that are inside, are they're not shivering, but those ones outside are, especially with this wind. Looks like it's out of the, I'm looking at the flag at the Soldier's Memorial, are coming out of the, what would that be, the Northwest? No, I don't know what it is. So I'll let you decide looking at outside your windows where the wind is coming from. But it is really nasty out there. And if you have any success stories to share, questions, concerns, or comments, confusion, uh, want recommendations or actions to be taken, simply call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And let me share... What I saw this morning, my good gardening stroll, and that good gardening stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Well, I went out the back door of my house, headed towards my car. I park outdoors, and I took my key and stuck it in the place on the car to open the door. Frozen! I couldn't get it open. Okay, so no big deal. I'll go in and get some WD-40 and squirt it in there. I squirted in the WD-40. Oh, no, it didn't work. So then part of my stroll was going back inside and using some stuff that was supposed to be de-icer car door lock stuff. Nope, didn't work. (laughs) Tracy, my wife, was... You know, helping me out here. So my stroll was really back and forth to my car. Finally, I figured out the best thing to do is use hot water in a glass or in a bottle. I dipped my key into the hot water and then stuck it into the door. And it opened, finally. So my good gardening stroll, unfortunately, was wasting time going back and forth and back and forth. So I could get my car open so I could get here to KMOX. First, I thought I'm going to have to compost this day as far as the show, but hmm, no big deal. Anyway, so that was my good gardening stroll today. A little different than usual, but uh, it's a little cold out there. I mean, (laughs) and uh, classically, as you know, I always wear shorts, so I had shorts on. 
But it didn't really matter that much. It was just the frustration of my car door. Anyway, we can discuss what's impacting your outdoor plants, the woodies, the trees, the shrubs, or some of those evergreen herbaceous perennials, annual plants. Wouldn't have any out there yet. If you bought some pansies and planted them, they're goners. How about your lawn, your ground cover? Growing medium of what type, whether it be uh, planting, you know, soils or anything else, good or bad, what impact is your pets, your dogs, running along the fence, transplanting, taking cuttings beyond, have a look around in the indoors too. If you have any questions about those plants, I'll share my knowledge help you make a good decision on whatever action you is needed or to be considered. And remember, this is your show, and I enjoy hearing about your plants. Drew is here. He's today's producer, a very important player on the team. And I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. If you'd like for me to come to your home, to your plant world, for a walk and talk consultation, you can go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. On the homepage is my email address and phone number. You can contact me, and we'll set up a time, date, and then we'll come out to your house. So, again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, phone lines open 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. When you call in, Drew will answer the phone and he just needs your first name and then he'll get it up on the caller screen and I will talk to you about whatever's going on. I am grateful for the rain that we had this past week. And the plants outside are really grateful for it, too, because that moisture helps fill air pockets around your feeder roots. And without those, with those air pockets gone, there's going to be less potential damage to the plant material. So that was really crucial that we had the rain before this extreme cold. And I think it's going to get even colder, which seems unbelievable. Like I, if you were listening to the Good Gardening Stroll, where I almost froze in action, so ugh, I have to keep fighting the cold. And uh, I don't know if you've been outside yet, but uh, even when you hear those numbers, until you're out there with that breeze, you don't really know how <laughs> cold it really feels. It is really absolutely brutal. So again, probably now the ground is frozen because of the moisture and the temperatures, of course. So you're not going to be able to take a soil sample to get that soil tested. You know, every week I talk about getting soil tested so you can find out everything about the plant material in relationship to your soils because the soil is really what's important. Your soil feeds your plants, and that is crucial. What the soil test is going to tell you is how much phosphorus, potassium, calcium, magnesium, the level of organic matter, the soil pH, and other things as well. So it's the cost is not extremely important. The office used to be in Kirkwood. Now it's in Overland. So uh, just go to the University of Missouri Extension Service, and they will give you the exact address in 
overland. So what is topsoil, by the way? Uh, the quality. The American Society of Landscape Architects has specifications for topsoil commonly used in contracts with landscape projects. Well, that's very confusing. But one of the things that's probably important besides the nutrients, the phosphorus and potassium, if you've been using the same fertilizer for an extended period of time, several years, your soil may have too much phosphorus and potassium in it. And when that does happen, then it does actually, you would think it would still continue to help your plant material, but it doesn't. What it does is actually cause the root system to have some inability to work as well. And the soil pH is extremely important also because the alkalinity, we get many calls where people have plant material, particularly broadleaf evergreens or evergreens, conifers, uh, growing close to the house and they're starting to lose the color. And that's related to the pH. And the reason why the pH is too high, which is alkaline, is because of the uh, concrete. So along your sidewalks and your driveways, if you have concrete, and especially the foundations, it contaminates the soil from that perspective. So that's an extremely important aspect of uh, getting a soil test so you can find out what's going on. Because you can then get some, go to your favorite garden center and get something that will help compensate for that alkalinity and turn it to, you know, more of a, more as acidic as opposed to alkalinity. And it's measured with an electrode to obtain an accurate value. And the ideal pH for most plant material is 5.5 to 7.5. And other things, you know, like lilacs, clematis vine, and things along that line, they want a little bit more alkaline. Same with lilacs, where azaleas, rhododendrons, blueberries, raspberries prefer a relatively low 5.5 pH. So that's really very important. Other things that the soil test will talk about is the sort of the texture. So in other words, what the composition of the uh, the soil that you have, and that's uh, uh, you want a nice texture, which is going to be measured, and uh, that allows water to penetrate. Because if you have a high clay content, then the water won't be able to penetrate into the ground as well. And so that's very important. Uh, soil organic matter is essential in the formation of soil structure. It reduces compaction and helps plants as far as re- retention of nutrients to be able to get into the ground where the feeder roots are. And regardless of what kind of plant it is, the feeder roots are going to be in the top, uh, let's say, s- top seven, nine inches of soil. That's going to be the most, anything deeper than that that roots go are strictly to keep plant material from falling apart. And speaking of uh, trees and things like that, with some of these winds we've had recently, I take a walk every day through the neighborhood, and uh, I've seen three or four different trees, street trees, that have been blown over just in the last couple days. And it's (laughs) we have steel casement windows in our house, and uh, one of the windows... The direction of the wind is usually out of the southwest, and we can hear it kind of howling through the wind. So I guess we should get better windows, but uh, eh, we haven't gotten around to doing that yet. 
It's very easy to have a list of things to do, whether it's out in your outdoors with your plant material or the structural quality of your home. So keep that in mind. If you go out into your yard and you notice there's some plants that are really pretty green still, well, what those plants are, those are the cool season annual weeds. And they germinated last August. They love the cold weather. They could care less. Things like henbit, dead nettle, uh, common chickweed, annual bluegrass, and several others. And uh, I've got, I still, you know, I minimize the amount of uh, herbicides I put into my landscape because I want to see what kind of weeds are, you know, coming in, how they're getting in, and everything else. So I've got uh, some chickweed. And uh, I don't want to blame anybody, but uh, it looks like it's coming over from my neighbor's yard. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, that's probably the worst of what I have. I used to have a lot of henbit and uh, dead nettle, which have square stems. So if you see something that's green in your lawn area or your bed spaces, and it's, that will mean it's probably henbit or dead nettle, and that's a, a member of the lamium family. And so I've what I did with that, I had a lot of it when we first moved in, and I just hand-dug it and finally got rid of it. And now I let some of it come back because I just kind of want to watch it and see, you know, how fast it spreads and everything else. So, And uh, that, again, to control those particular weeds, you would be putting your pre-emergent down in mid to late August. And what a pre-emergent does is kill weed seeds as they germinate. So that's really important. Uh, and weed seeds, pre, pre-emergent information, it's a, just what it is is a chemical that only kills things that are coming from seed. So it, doesn't, it won't impact things like dandelions that have been there for a long time. Because that's a perennial weed, but perennial weeds like dandelions, it does produce seeds, and it will kill dandelion seedlings as they germinate, but it won't really do anything to, let's say, dandelions that have been there for a while. So just keep that in mind. Things that uh, you need to be watching out while it's this cold, uh, really there's not too much you can do. You can't get out there and... Like I said, we have plenty of water to it, so no reason to be doing pulling the hose out. But what you can be doing this time of year is equipment maintenance, like sharpening your mower blades, because unsharpened mower blades can sort of what it will do is as you go over your lawn, it'll kind of fray the tips, and, and that frayness can cause disease, insect, and health problems just in general. So you can take it to garden centers or there's, you know, particular places that do lawnmower maintenance, and you can either take the blade off yourself or you can take the mower too. No, you probably should just take the blade off and then let them uh, do the sharpening. I have a sharp, you know, a hand sharpener, and I just do it myself. And it's kind of like a a sort of a file type thing. And it just, you know, gets, it makes a blade smoother. That's what it does. And uh, your lawn is your most expensive part of your landscape, so you want to minimize the troubles. 
and we have a tough time here anyway because we're in that transition zone where the cool season lawns and the warm season lawns butt heads, one coming from the south, the other one coming from the north, and it makes it a little tough just for lawns just in general. And that's, uh, like I said, the most expensive you know, part of your landscape is going to be that just because the equipment, mowers, and then a fertilizer and besides the soil tests, which are you know, needed anyway. So uh, basically, we do have fun. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Lines open. I know you're probably thinking, who cares about plants when it's this cold? But uh, if you'd like to talk about something, just give a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade to the phones we go but we do still have some phone lines open 314 or 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 when it's this cold I think you know mental attitude in general so today I normally wear a KMOX shirt but today I have my Key West shirt on. Key West was – it's a sweatshirt actually. And, you know, I mean I bought it when I was in Key West a couple of years ago. And why Key West would have a sweatshirt, I don't know. But uh, I thought it's kind of rare. So when I can – you know, when it's cold like this, I got my Key West shirt on. Let's head over to Dale's yard and see what's going on. Hi, Dale. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. How are you? I'm doing fine. I uh- I'm just curious with this uh, excessive cold coming in the next couple of days, with us having been mild in December, my daffodils are up uh, a good inch, inch and a half sprouted. Will I have to do anything to protect those, or are they going to be all right? They should be okay as far as flowering goes. Now, those tips may get injured by this cold. 
if it wasn't quite this bad, it shouldn't have do any damage. But when it's getting like this, so what you'll have is just brown tips on the end of the leaves, and the flowers are not emerging, so that shouldn't impact your flowers whatsoever. Perfect. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Fred's yard. Hi, Fred. Hey, Mike. I might have missed it, but uh, now that it's so cold, you were talking about soil testing. When do I need to wait and until what time to soil test my lawn? Until you can get out there and actually, you know, just rather relatively easily push your shovel into the ground so you can get to the, the proper depth and then get your soil. Because uh, you could go out there and see. Maybe you can. Maybe the soil's not, uh, you know, frozen yet. But you just don't want to do the frozen soils. Gotcha. So just wait till I can dig it up. Right. All right. Well, thank you, Mike. Yep. And then again, for for perennials, uh, you want to go to a certain depth in, in your lawn, you're going to go a little bit less because the, the root system on the lawn is not quite as deep as, you know, some of the perennials or woodies or things like that. And uh, let's see, 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. That's our phone number, and we do have the phone lines open. Again, the rainfall was extremely important. I'm just glad we got it. It was, uh, I mean, it was kind of like, ooh, wow, this is going on and on and on. I'd get up and uh, take a look, and I'd think, gosh, how can it still be raining like this? And uh, you never know. And if it was raining now, it would have been a lot more snow. They kept, you know, early in the week, they were saying up to three inches. And then it was down to two inches and then one. And now it's just there is no inches of snow any place. So snow can help, you know, as far as things that are growing, you know, close to the ground because it can actually act as, a, let's say, a blanket and that will help, again, the wind chills and in, in factors like that. And then when the snow melts, it's moisture, and that's, you know, a very important part. Maybe you should start thinking about uh, this time of year creating a, a monarch butterfly garden. And uh, I've got some butterfly weed in uh, the strip of lawn or strip, not strip of lawn, uh, landscape strip between my garage and my uh, the alley, and it's only about uh, it's you know t maybe 15 feet long and about four or five feet wide. I've got all kinds of sunflowers, and then I've got uh, butterfly weed in there too. And they v take care of themselves. And this you know this variety of coreopsis that I have is an evergreen type. So even when it's this cold, those the foliage doesn't get knocked down. It's really kind of amazing how tough some plants are and other ones aren't. So uh, the butterfly is really kind of a, well, the monarch butterfly in particular. They don't fly uh, on cloudy days or during rainy days. And they can live up to five years. And they do migrate huge distances, you know, up to 2,000 miles each year, which seems just kind of a, a amazing. And a monarch butterfly, how much do you think an adult weighs? Half a gram. Whoa. And the wing shingle, you know, like it's pigmented with reds, oranges, grays, whites, blues, and a shiny metallic look is due to the, a prism-like membrane 
on the actually wings. And the wings will bend and reflect light. And butterfly caterpillars have mouth-sensitive hairs for, you know, testing, you know, all kinds of other things. And the butterfly adults, they sip nectar like a drinking straw with their tongue. And their knob-like antennae extensions are used to smell, taste, orientation, and for for protection. So it's great to have the hummingbirds and uh, also why not have some butterflies as well. You don't need to get a huge patch. You can just mix in a few in a in a pretty old bed space and uh, just kind of let them go. So that's you know what's really important. The gentleman that called about uh, his daffodil, the foliage emerging, yeah, that warm weather that we kept having, you know, f- caused some of the growth to come up. Uh, basically, you know, the daffodils seem to emerge sooner than the tulips, and the tulips are actually uh, a little bit more tender, so they're a little bit more, let's say, scared to do anything. Uh, if you have conifers, in other words, let's say there's broadleaf weeds, <laughs> not broadleaf weeds, broadleaf con- you know, evergreens, and then there's conifers and they're the ones that have the needles. And if we do finally get some snow that starts piling up on your, your conifers or on any plant material like azaleas or hollies or things like that, don't go out with any kind of broom, with any kind of anything, and knock that off the plant material because you, you're going to do more damage by knocking snow slash, you know, let's say ice, if, it, you know, if that is a circumstance, off the plant material than actually the weight of the ice or snow. So just keep that in mind. For years, I, you know, people kept going out with brooms and knocking it off, thinking, thinking they're going to do, uh, do, let's say, help their plant material not have any damage due to the weight of the snow on the twigs or the branches. And that's where, you know, we're kind of getting wrong about that. So just leave it alone, you know, and hope it won't do any kind of major damage. But hitting, you know, plant material with a broom can cause, like I said, more damage than uh, the actual weight of the uh, snow or ice. Let's head over to Scott's yard. Hi, Scott. Good morning, morning. Mike. Uh, a couple quick questions. What were you just saying was the, the perennial that to, to attract butterflies that, that flower all the time? Uh, it's a type of Coreopsis. Okay. C-O-R-E-O-P-S-I-S. That's right. Okay. Se- there's several different varieties. So uh, when you go to get it, just or you know, check online and see which one is going to be the best for uh, the butterflies. Does that come from seed, or is it a plant? Or No, you buy it as a perennial. You can grow okay. them from seed, and they will self-seed. That's the interesting thing. But to grow them from seed yourself is, a, a, I don't know, it's a lot of work. Let's put it that okay. way. Okay, and I don't, I don't need that then. <laughs> uh, other quick question. I'm, I'm looking to, along my sidewalk, um, put something that's a perennial low um, uh, grass to just give me, I, I, it's hard to trim up next to that walk and all that. Just something to give me a barrier there, a little border along my sidewalk. It uh, gets pretty much full sun. Okay. I would probably look at maybe the variegated liriope. 
L-I-R-I-O-P-E. And the variegated one is going to have a, a yellow stripe on it. It's going to get about, uh, it's going to be a clump grower so it doesn't spread. So you want to get Liriope muscari as opposed to spicata. The spicata will spread, but the muscari is a clump grower, so each clump will just stay pretty much right where it is. And I'm surprised. I've got some, you know, that I'm growing in pots, and it hasn't had any kind of winter damage to it at all yet. I haven't looked this morning, but uh, it's really pretty tough and durable. Now, even if it does get some winter damage to it, you can just set your mower high and just mow it off and just kind of leave, you know, okay. three or four inches. So it doesn't get very tall then either, right? Uh, probably maximum height of the flower, maybe six or eight, maybe nine or ten okay. inches. Okay. And the actual blades are going to get more like, uh, let's say, four to six or seven. Okay. How far apart should those be planted? Well, it all depends on the look you want. If you want it to be a solid line with no space in between, I'd probably put uh, maybe, oh, let's say 15 to 18 inches in between each plant. Okay. Okay. And you get those at any any um, long garden place? or Right. And I would go to a uh, year-round garden center versus uh, a big box type thing. Okay. The year-round places seem to take care of the plant material a little bit better. Okay. All right, great. Thank you so much for your information. Have sure. a good day. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, again, phone lines 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we do have some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Dennis's yard and see what's going on. Hi, Dennis. Yeah, good morning. Hi, good morning to you. Yes, um, I have a question. Um, I got some uh, prairie grasses along my driveway. And for the last two or three years, I've had these creeping Charlie weeds that start growing up in between them. Is there a way I can get rid of those creeping Charlie uh, vines there? Yeah, basically. Yeah, you can use a broadleaf weed killer if you'd like, or you can try a pre-emergent as well. But the pre-emergent you're going to have to put down in August because it's okay. a cool season weed. But a broadleaf weed killer will kill it without doing any kind of damage to anything with, like, grass-like blades. All right. So, All right. That sounds good. Yeah. So you got two ways to go after it until you get you know can get it under control. All right. Yeah, I'll say I've got, like, polos, uh, binding weeds out of my grasses there and everything. Like, it's a pan that... <laughs> I pull them out there, and because these um, prairie grass, they grow like about, about almost five feet tall. But as I pull those weeds out, that's something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, probably uh, be you know the best way to go about it is just uh, as soon as you start to see them green up, uh, get a broadleaf weed killer and just spray it directly onto the foliage. Okay, that sounds fine then. <laughs> All right. Good luck. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Sure. 
Again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We understand uh, that it's going to get super cold tonight, so below you know, freezing. So uh, if you got anything to do today, I'd get it done early <laughs> when it's only 7. I mean, it's really warm, 17 degrees. I mean, that's just totally crazy. But uh, it's not. it shouldn't do any kind of damage, again, to the plant material, not even uh, some of the tender buds like the early blooming uh, magnolias. That They should be able to handle this cold. But uh, who knows how much more, I mean, four below, that could be a little bit damaging to some of the tender buds on the plant material. So just kind of keep that in mind. There's not really too much you can do. Tracy, my wife, was talking to me, and she said, well, what do these garden centers do when uh, they've got all these plants that they, let's say, bought for fall sales and things like that, and they're outside? I just told her, I said, there's not really too much they can do. They can just make sure that if they're in containers, that there's mulch around them. If they're bald and burlap, there's mulch around them. And they haven't had a, you know, a circumstance where they got uh, really dry as a result of that. When I uh, I moved back here, I came back to St. Louis to work at the Botanical Garden. And for the first four years, I worked in the English Woodland Garden. And in my fifth year there, I worked in a Climatron. So the Climatron was perfect when the weather's like this because you're standing there in the tropics and you can look out and just once you got close to the walls, which are glass, it was you could really feel the cold. And speaking of cold... Walking around here at Odyssey, there was a couple of really cold spots. I don't understand exactly why. But uh, that was a nice thing. And when I left the Botanical Garden, I went into Garden Center Management, Old Orchard Gardens, which was on uh, you know, 141. They originally started in Webster Groves, but they moved to 141 and Manchester Road, basically. And I didn't. Garden Center Management. I was general manager for you know four or five years from there. So, and then from there, I went and uh, helped start a predatory insect store called the Bug Store. And the Bug Store, I stayed there for a while. And then when I left there, I just started my own landscape design consulting business. I no longer do formal designs, but I do consultations. And so uh, that's you know kind of been my whole you know sort of a picture of my career in the outdoors. And uh, I was basically grew up at Ellisville, and that's where my love of the outdoors, just, you know, being, we moved out there from the city. We live right by the Botanical Garden, exactly, on, or, you know, on Flat Avenue. My parents were both from rural Missouri, different parts, north and south, and uh, they just wanted to be someplace a little bit more rural. So when we moved out to Ellisville, there was only 211 people in the city. And then I got to just have some great fun through the woods and everything. Got poison ivy every year, guaranteed, no matter what. Even though I knew what it looked like, it was just you know difficult to walk through the woods or walk here or there and not get it. So uh, those are the kind of things that just made life great fun and just made me really fall for the whole world of plant materials and birds as well. My parents fed the birds and uh, we had all kinds of bird feeders and I became an expert as far as cleaning gutters. 
because we were on Maple Lane and we had maple trees that drop leaves down into the gutters on a routine basis. And then, oh, you know, nothing fancy, just had to get up there on the roof and just kind of dig it out with my hands. So that was something that was, you know, fun as well. So if you do have any questions or concerns, we only got a couple minutes left in this hour. And then we'll have all kinds of stuff next hour, you know, for a full hour. And so just kind of keep that in mind. Other things that you need to be thinking about when it's this cold, not too much you can be doing in the outdoors. So, I mean, don't do any pruning or don't do anything. really won't hurt the plant material, but what will happen is you'll get too cold. And, you know, the plants are really important, but uh, kind of keep in mind the fact that uh, you just have to be careful yourself because, uh, you know— I mean, frost damage, <laughs> you're not going to get frost damage, but that's something that uh, you just don't want to be out too much when it is this cold. And uh, other things, uh, you know, I talked about the uh, equipment, you know, taking care of that. And uh, the butterflies, rainfall, thanking, uh, you know, nature for sending us some rain before this, you know, this cold snap. I'm just, again, glad that uh, the snow didn't come because it was, there's a, a couple big puddles, even right around here downtown, uh, which are just like an ice rink. And we've got a couple spots around our home, too, not our actual home, but just down the street that are big puddles. And it's like, uh, uh, I was never an ice skater. I was never, I guess I don't have strong ankles or something, so I wasn't uh, able to do that. But, uh, if you do have any questions, just take a look out the window and just give us a you know give us a call, and uh, you know when we come back from the news, we'll be talking to you, so you can be first in line. We got a call right now. We're just waiting for him to to get up and uh, get his name on the computer screen, and uh, we'll wait for a second. Is that Kata? Oh, Kate. Sorry. Hi, Kate. You're gonna Miller? have to. You're gonna have to do it pretty quick. Okay. Uh, we have a. Uh, I would like your email first. Oh. M. Because I would like to send you a picture of a plant that we have not a clue what it is. Okay. Uh, I don't think I can get it. Uh, I'll give it to you after we come back. Okay, that would be fine. Should I just stay on the line? Uh, yeah, if you want to, sure. Okay. Or you can just listen, <laughs> but you can stay on the line. Okay, it's a, it's a tropical plant. It's probably 20 years old. Okay. We think it's tropical, uh, but I would like for you to see a picture of it because gotta, nobody knows what it is. Okay, we got to run, so uh, see you after the news. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. And Scott is a native of Buffalo, New York. So these kind of temperatures and all this other stuff, he says, ah, who cares? Ha, ha, ha. And I guess they had like a foot of snow recently. So that's, uh, ooh, Wow. And this is the KMOX Garden Hotline. The second hour opens with the tip of the trowel, which is a special on-air recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. 
And I'd just like to share that with you. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trowel goes out to all the people that are in this tree service business, the city of St. Louis, the trees, all the— these winds have just knocked, like I said, several trees down, and it's just kind of amazing. So they get out and get stuff pretty cleaned up pretty quickly. So that's uh, all the t- individual companies as well as the city trees, you know, tree department. Yes, the tree department. So tip of the trial goes out to them. And uh, thanks for inviting me onto your show where we can discuss topics like the best plants for a specific location in your yard, how to plant that plant, and the aftercare. And adding pizzazz to views from inside your home, whether you're sitting on your deck, your patio, or walking around in the yard, caring for your existing plants, or selecting new varieties, and uh, making sure that you're putting them in a location as they mature, they don't overgrow and cause problems from an aesthetic standpoint or any other thing. Proper mulching, weeds, lawn care, growing plants in the ground or in pots, when to prune, fertilizing, whether it's annuals, edibles, herbs, vegetables, fruit trees, warm and cold season bulbs, and all kinds of other plant materials. So just kind of keep that in mind. But please remember my thoughts, answers, comments, and opinions are not the only garden path to take to achieve success, just strictly offered for you to consider. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. So in another couple of weeks, it'll be 30 years, which seems unbelievable. And uh, prior to that, I was in the Air Force, uh, got discharged in uh, 1973. And then I stayed out. I was at March Air Force Base in Riverside. I stayed in Southern California and studied horticulture at the University of California in Santa Barbara. Came back to St. Louis botanical garden, and then taught classes at the botanical garden as well. Co-founded the bug store and blah, 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 blah. I taught uh, horticulture horticulture at uh, Merrimack Community College as well. I've written five gardening, bo- five gardening books, box, yeah, and uh, articles and magazines for local newspapers. Currently, I have Mike Miller Designs, and that is my workplace. If you'd like for me to come to your home, uh, for a plant consultation, a walk and talk, you can check my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, you can get my email address and phone number. You can contact me, and we'll set a date and time for me to visit your plant world. And now, if you've got any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to your plant world, you can strictly call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120, and we can talk about it. And today we had a situation where a baton was passed from Drew to John, Tom. No, John. Is that correct, John? Yeah. So now, right now, so when you call, John will answer the phone. He just needs your first name, and then he well, at the same time he's pushing buttons and uh, answering the phone call. So we appreciate it. And now let's go back to let's go back to Kate. Hi Kate. Good morning. Good morning. We've enjoyed your show for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten gray since I've been doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have we all. Yes. So 
I did send an email to KMOX. We have this plant that looks like um, we don't know what to, how to explain it. It has rather long stems that look almost like a bamboo stem. It has uh, on the ends. It has um, almost like needle. They're not needles, but they're long. Um, I guess you would call them. Um, what would you call them, Donna? I don't know what to call them. They're, they're <laughs> like leaves, but they—they are not long. They're not like leaves. They're more like points. Uh, well, I—I I don't have access to that. What you can do is just go to my website, and there's my email address, and just send me a, a picture. Okay, I did. I thought I did. Is it? What is your email address? Okay, not my. I won't give my email, but I'll give you my website, and then that's where you can get my email address. Oh, okay. So it's www.mikemillerdesigns.com. And then on the home page, there will be my phone number and my email, and you can just send me a picture of it. Okay, what was the first, Mike, Mike Miller Design, what was the first? Dot com. Triple W, Mike oh, triple Miller. W. Yeah. Okay. MikeMillerDesigns.com, and then on the home page, there's my email address. Okay, thank you so very much, Mike, and you have a nice day. Yes, thank you. So it'll be interesting. I have, you know, had somebody that sent me a pic, you know, picture of plant material, and uh, I don't know if I got the answer right or not. She never did respond back. So it was like it was just a picture of in the fall. It was covered with berries and had great fall color. And uh, I th- I thought it was a, a beauty berry, but I'm not sure if it was. Let's head over to Wes's yard. Hi, Wes. I I was just wondering when is the best time to start uh, cabbage and broccoli bedding plants indoors? And you might talk about uh, some friends I talked to have trouble with their bedding plants stretching, and you might talk about putting light really close to the you know to the tree. So you're talking about light where they're growing them from seed inside and they're elongating? That's correct. Okay, so for grow lights, if ideally, if you're going to do it, you need to get some bottom heat. So there's bottom heat mats that you can put underneath the flats or the pots that you're going to grow the seeds in. And the grow light should only be more, basically about four inches above the top of the pot or flat that you're growing them in. So the bottom heat, a potting mix for starting plant material, and then uh, just four inches above for the grow lights. Mm-hmm. And how about timing? Is that right now a good time or, or wait a little bit? I would probably wait because they can, you know, even with, you know, good, really very good Let's say top of the lines. I've used to grow stuff uh, with grow lights. I have fluorescent tubes, but I've you know taken a break from doing that because I did it so many years in a row. And uh, so consequently, I would say maybe closer towards. Uh, well, it depends upon the type of plant that you're trying to grow. But you said cabbage and cool season vegetables. Correct. Yeah. So I would say. Maybe wait towards the end of the month and do it at that time. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And let's head over to Kyle's. Hi, Kyle. 
Hey, Mike. How you doing? Very good. How are you? Good, good. Hey, we had a pin oak in our front yard, and it had gall on it. So we had it cut down, and then we had the stump ground up about two weeks ago. I was wondering, what, what do I need to do with that pile of stump? Do I need to dig that out or just let it set for a while because we want to try to grow grass there? Well, to be honest with you, you're going to have a very difficult time for a couple of years. Even if you get rid of all the stump grindings, which were left by the tree service and everything else, because there's still viable root systems and the wood you know, pieces that you're going to get as many as you possibly can, there's still going to be a lot in there, and it's going to really make it difficult to grow any kind of lawn. And Okay, gotcha, gotcha. You just so can't, you Will know, that stump just settle, the, the wood that they chipped up? Is that what will happen? No, well, it would take a long time. So in other words, with the process of, like, St. Louis composting making mulch, they rotate the product, you know, that they're making into mulch from, you know, stump grindings and things like you're talking about. But just to have a pile of it laying there, it's going to take forever for it to finally melt down. Okay. Okay. Maybe I'll just start bagging that up and trying right. to get rid of it. And then just be, you know, be patient because it's going to be a couple of years before you're going to have any success with any kind of lawn. Okay. All right, Mike. Well, I appreciate it. Thank sure. you very much. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, you know, get some decorative pots or something like that and just set those in that location and, okay. uh, I mean, you could get some, you know, annual rye or something like that and just, you know, throw some seed out on a routine basis and just kind of – and just use that to let you know when you're going to have success with, uh, you know, growing from seed. Yeah, and we, to well, be we honest, needed to get, cut the tree down. There was a, such a nice tree, the pin oak, but they right. had that gall. So. Yeah, those galls were, are really a hassle. And uh, so even if from, you know, buying sod, sod won't be able to survive there either. Okay. All right, Mike. Well, thank you. You have a great day. You do the same thing. All righty. Bye-bye. Yep. Let's head over to Bill's yard now. Hi, Bill. Okay. Yes, go ahead. I'm not. I got a question. We got an ornamental peach in about a 12-inch uh, pot. Uh, they told us, whoever, my daughter got it in the south, in, in Arkansas. They said we should, uh, we brought it in. So is there anything extra we ought to do? Should we fertilize it or leave it alone and put it back out in the pot? Yeah, definitely don't fertilize it. Now, did you leave it in your garage in front of a window, or you have it in your house? It's in the house. Oh, that might be uh, detrimental to it, so just kind of keep your fingers really? crossed. Did it, the foliage stay on it? Yeah, it's in good shape. Okay, well, good luck with that. So, yeah, just leave it inside until uh, probably mid-March, and don't fertilize it right at first. Wait till the days get a little okay. bit longer. And when you fertilize, use a fertilizer for fruit trees, and then also only do half the label rate. All right, and then uh, I hope my my buckeye was was budding out, so I'm hoping it's going to make it, but I don't know. Yeah, that's a little bit tough. Uh, when it gets yeah. this cold, if it wasn't getting quite this extreme, like what's going to happen tonight, uh, uh -huh. it should be okay, but uh, that could be detrimental. 
Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And let's go now over to Sue's yard. Hi, Sue. Hi, Mike. I have two tip of the trough. One is for Amron because we got our electric went off about five thirty and came back on about one thirty this morning, and they worked out in this terrible cold. Ooh. Yep. And was I ever grateful? Yes. And then the other tip of the uh, trial is to uh, good neighbors. Wait a minute. I get emotional once in a while. <laughs> this good neighbor came over and got me and took me home with him to his heated home. Wow. And Great. I, spent the, I spent a comfortable night there. Well, perfect. I'm so glad. I'm, I'm very thankful. No, I got. I have a couple of questions. Um, the dogwood buds and and serviceberry. Um, what do you think this heat or, or a cold is going to do to them? Nothing. They should be Nothing? okay. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. Yes. Okay. The other thing is, I bring. Uh, I do a deck planting in in pots, and I plant all my. Um, Elephant ears, not the not the big ones. It's the more colored ones and unusual ones. Right. I bring the whole pot in. I've got about three pots of elephant ears in, in a in a back room that gets a lot of sun. And um, they kind of gradually the the foliage kind of dies over right over the winter, but they came back nice this past summer. Sure. You think that's okay? Yeah, you should be fine. Okay. All right. Good luck, Sue. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. And welcome into the warmth. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Roger's yard. Hi, Roger. How you doing? Very good. Uh, cold weather weeds, I realize it's too late for uh, pre-emergent. Is there a way to get rid of them in this cold weather? Uh, not too much because the herbicides are going to be ineffective because of the cold. So yeah, you just, I realize that. Yeah, uh, you just waste your time. Would, uh, you know, vinegar will kill the green foliage? Would that be worth trying? Yeah, I mean, if, if the foliage is dead, the, the a plant needs to have foliage to be able to survive. Because without foliage, it doesn't get any food. Because sunlight and nutrients, you know, the sunlight is absorbed by the leaves. And if the leaves are gone then it's going to be, you know, tough for it to survive. Okay. Well, I'll do pre-emergent next year. Uh, one other quick question. If my mums, uh, the roots have gotten frozen, are they kaput, or can I still put them in the ground later? So they're sitting out in pots? Yeah, right now they are. Uh, take a look right at where the stem's coming up out of the, the, grow, you know, the potting mix. And if you see little green leaflets right at the base— then you sh- I would give them a try and get them into the ground. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And Bye. See you, Roger. And let's go over to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. 
Hi. <clears throat> Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Uh, two questions. One of them is about an indoor plant, a Diefenbachia, that I've had for years. Anyway, the past two winters, they get little shiny clear beads on them and some shiny spots on the leaves. The plant looks vigorous, but I'm not sure what those are. Is that some kind of an insect? Yeah. I, and I don't see any insects on them. Yeah, it's probably scale. So scale, what, what do I do about that? Uh, basically, just take a, like a Q-tip, dip the Q-tip moisture and water or whatever, and just rub each individual one off. Okay. And is the insect in that little bead? Well, it is that. So oh, it's, it is? It's kind, oh. of like a, it's kind of like a turtle. has a shell. Oh, okay. That's why a lot of times normal insecticides are ineffective because they can't penetrate that shell. Okay. Okay. And my other question is about a, a flower arrangement, a basket that we got for Christmas, and the annuals are pretty much done, but I'm there. there's two, three, nor, they look like Norfolk pines together, and I put them in a pot, and they look fine, but uh, they they don't ever, they're not hardy enough to go outside, are they? No, they're not. They got us, they're, I mean, they can go outside in the summertime and things like that, but for the wintertime, they're not hardy. So I could keep them inside over the winter and bring them out later? Right. Sometime, uh, you know, it's weather dependent, but uh, usually around mid-April you can move them out. And just watch out about putting them in direct sun after they've been in a house because they could okay. get sunburnt. And you, I mean, put them in a partial shade location, and then you can migrate them to a full sun location. Okay. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And well, let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll talk to Chris and Grace when we come back from break. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go over to Chris's house. Hi, Chris. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing this morning? Very good. How are you? I am good. Just a couple quick ones. One is the first two outside. I have some broccoli, cauliflower, and cabbage that I was uh, attempting to grow for the winter and uh, just started getting heads on them a couple weeks ago. So it may be a little bit smaller than my fist, and I don't have a big hand. Um, at least the cauliflower and broccoli are a little bit bigger than my fist. I don't have really any head on the cabbage. And I did not get any plastic over them before we got this freeze last night. Are they in danger of uh, not making it any further? Should I go ahead and harvest and be happy that I got these little bitty pieces? Or can I do something to save them? <laughs> no, it's probably too late anyway. And sometimes plastic is not the best thing to to use. Landscape fabric oh. would be better because a plastic, okay. when it's going to have an extended period, can be more damaging than good, but uh, I don't think they're going to, you know, make it through the next couple days. Okay. And the cabbage leaves, even though it didn't form a head, are those cabbage leaves still edible? Uh, well, you could dry it. Hey, it definitely won't hurt me. <laughs> and right. then one quick question on the inside. I have some majestic palms. And one of them is not thriving at all. A majority of, I would say, 80% of the foliage has turned brown. Mm. 
is there anything that I can do? Is that is that because of my lighting? I'm not is the soil. I mean, is this one I got from the box store? Um, is there anything I can do to maybe bring that back around, or is it done too? Once the you know, particularly on house plants, once half the foliage is turned brown, it's pretty much destined for death. Okay. So there's not really too much you can do. Now, do you have a couple of these or just one? A couple of them. Okay. So this particular one has been overwatered more than likely. If the other the other ones look okay, so this mm-hmm. one is you know got over wet. Usually, it's a, a root system circumstance. Okay. Okay, well, I do appreciate it, and I hope you had a wonderful new year, and I'm looking forward to continuing good information and one day getting you up here to this yard of mine. <laughs> well, thanks. Look, I'll look forward to it. Now let's head, right, over, head over to Grace's yard. Hi, Grace. Hi. Hi. I was wondering, um, I have a pretty good-sized tree in my front yard. Uh, I was wondering when the best time to trim it was. I had heard late winter was a good time to do it, not sure if what you think about that. What kind of tree is it? It's a white ash, white. and it's a, probably about 20 years old, so it's uh, pretty tall. Yeah, late winter works out fine. Just ideally, you're going to do it before the leaves start emerging in the springtime. Now, if it was okay. a maple tree, the maples want to be pruned during the winter for sure. Okay, so probably maybe around late February? Yeah, that, was, that should be fine. Okay, great. Thanks. Yep, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Linda's. Hi, Linda. The gardener who had the shiny, sticky spots on the leaves, uh, that is, you were correct that it probably is scale, but rather than using a Q-tip or something, take it to the shower, give it a good rinse job. That's what Mother Nature would do. And that would take care of washing a lot of the scale off. And it would also deal very effectively with mealybugs. It's a lot easier to just wash it off uh, than uh, trying to deal with uh, dabbing each spot with a Q-tip. And the problem is not the shiny spots. It's the probably dark spots that would be the scale. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's a, just, uh, I didn't know how many she had, but yeah, using that, uh, you know, works out fine. What I want to make sure that the water temperature is not too cold. Uh, just make it uh, so that it's, uh, you might say, baby bottle warm or uh, anyway, uh, nice and comfy. Right. <laughs> well, that sounds good. How long are you recommending us leaving it in the shower? Oh, uh I would really recommend uh, just doing it with a spray bottle rather than uh, oh, not having a shower. Then turning the shower itself on ah. because you don't have as much control over it that right. way. Right. Well, and that... uh, put a little speck of uh, Dawn liquid into your uh, spray bottle first, just a dilute solution, and then once you have given it a good uh, spray with the Dawn solution, then. Uh, rinse it off, and uh, you might have to do that a couple of times, uh, but it's very effective. That's what Mother Nature would do. When we bring our plants in, uh, they don't get the treatment that she gives them when they're outside. <laughs> True. And uh, uh, just uh, re- 
you might find uh, some of the sticky on the furniture or floor directly beneath this plant. That would be a real definite confirmation that it is scale. Right. But I, I think this treatment will work. Okay, sounds great. Thanks, Mike. Sure, thanks, Linda. And now let's head over to Quinn's. Hi, Quinn. Hi. Hi. Um, we have this one-year-old Rose of Sharon, and it is, it came from a seed, and it is, and we have five sprouts growing up, up from the ground, and it has about 20 clean cuts in it, and we don't know what it's from. As far as? The- At an angle. What kind of cuts? Are you saying there's cuts on the twigs? Yes, there's like cuts on the twigs, and one like one big uh, sprout like has a clean cut that by an angle, and all of them are by an angle. Hmm, that's a little tough because Rosa Sharon are pretty much uh, a lot of insects don't impact them all that much. So I would say don't worry about it, and just uh, you know just kind of watch it in general. Okay. No fertilizer, and don't spray any kind of insecticide on it unless you actually see the the insect. But uh, Japanese beetles can make you know angle cuts on barks and things like that. But the Rosa Sharon's really not prone to the uh, Japanese beetle. That does not mean they can't go after it. But so just okay. kind of keep an eye on it. Okay. All right. Thanks, Quinn. You're welcome. See ya. And let's go to Joan's yard now. Hi, Joan. Hi. Hi, Hi, Mike. I've got a hibiscus tree, two hibiscus trees that I brought in, and they were doing great. Um, I snuck them out a couple times when the weather, you know, hit like 50, 60. Right. Brought them back in. And um, one of them looks great. The other one, uh, all the leaves are turning yellow, and not all of them, but a good portion of them, and... I just don't want it to die, and I, I fertilized it. I'm just wondering, should I keep doing this? It's it's in the sun, you know, in a, in a bright sun every day. Uh, just wondered if I'm going to make it with this tree. Well, the hibiscus really don't like it inside houses, but yeah. they can survive. But they're always going to lose leaves. There's I okay. Mean, that's going to happen, but. Uh, Fertilizing, you know, during a bad time when it's, a plant doesn't look good is not the best thing to do. You're kind of just okay. accelerating the downhill process. Okay. So just kind of. Okay. And the leaves turning yellow, that's, that's pretty normal, right? Right. They're, you know, um, even if they're really healthy, they're going to lose a good percentage of the leaves during the wintertime because right. the amount of light. Right. But and I had now, a lot of. Also, you don't have them where uh, like a heat vent's going to blow down on them, do you? Well, it's to the side. It's not blowing on top of it, but okay. it is. How close can it be to a heat vent? They should not be close. At all, yeah. Because that can be uh, detrimental. Okay, but I'm I'm getting lots of new growth at the bottom. Lots That's... of beautiful green leaves coming up at the bottom. So. And then it's growing. The height is almost to the ceiling. It's so cool. Wow. That's big. <laughs> I know. Um, so I guess you have to quite. have a leaf rake inside because you're losing so <laughs> many leaves. 
No, I just want to see if I can keep this guy alive, you know. Yeah, just watch out uh, about overwatering and definitely don't do any fertilizing. Okay, and so overwatering is what? You just want to, every- the the potting mix to stay a little bit damp and then water it when the, the potting mix shrinks from the inside of the pot so you see a little bit of a gap there. Yeah, okay, very good. Well, thank Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate sure. your advice. Yeah, All right. That was good one. Take sure. care. Bye-bye. Yep. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Let's head over to Jill's yard and see what's going on. Hi, Jill. Hi there. Hi. Hey, I've got a couple of questions. Okay. One is I have some large, uh, well, they're not large, but a couple of year old rhododendron on the north side of my house. They seemed a little stressed out this summer. Um, every it kind of got dry, their leaves curled, and I had to kind of keep on top of watering. And I'm just wondering about this cold weather. I have an idea to maybe just put like a big shopping bag, like the kind you get at Ikea, maybe upside down over the top but I don't know if that's a good idea or not. That wouldn't hurt, but you should have already had it on there. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) But it's already, rhododendrons have a tough time here anyway. Do they? Yeah. They don't really like St. Louis all that much, or this region. I see. That explains why this is my third one, to try to make it grow in the front. Yeah, and then also my lack of remembering to care for them probably explains it too. So, <laughs> um, so I have a second question, if you don't mind, no. about an indoor um, lemon plant that I have. Um, it was looking very stressed. Um, it was outside for the summer, but it was looking very stressed, and I was thinking about pitching it. And then all of a sudden, it's just got, I don't know, 30, 25 um, blooms on it and I'm um, you know using the little brush and making sure it, it self-pollinates if that's a thing and uh, I'm just wondering I, I did fertilize it I just heard you tell somebody maybe it's not a great idea to fertilize something at this point but right do you have any advice it, it hardly has any leaves it's mostly just the flowers it's gonna and I'm wondering should I leave all of those tw- like that's so many and right. just if you have any advice well, flowering is the most stressful time for any plant, whether they're healthy growing outside or, you know, what's happening inside. Oh. There's not too much you can do. I mean, okay. uh, it's just going to be, you know, survivability is going to be as lucky as anything. And it's like in front of a really sunny window or sunny. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So as long as it's getting that and there's no heat vent blowing on it, that's about as much as you can do. Okay, and so you don't necessarily fertilize during the period where it's producing the fruit? No. I mean, you can, it's not going to really help. It's going to oh. actually be detrimental. So fertilize well, when they're actively growing outside and get oh. a fertilizer that is acid-loving type fertilizer, like mirror okay. acid or something along that line. 
Gotcha. Okay. And then do you think I should um, pick off about half of those uh, so it's not weighed down with so much fruit? Should it, should it survive this or well, just let her rip? I would say leave it alone because uh, okay. the, you're saying the, the fruit is uh, actually, you, you see the fruit. Yeah, some of the blooms that are already finished, you know how, like, right. then you start to see the little ball there. Right. Mm-hmm. As long as there are not so many that actually is causing the branch to bend, then I uh-huh. would say leave them alone. Okay, that's great. That's my favorite kind of advice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank you very much. Thanks, Joe. And let's head over to Rick's yard. Hi, Rick. Good morning. Hi, Good morning. I'm calling in reference to the... Uh, the young lady who called a little while ago about observing plants that had been cut off um, at an angle. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. Uh, just as an analogy, uh, I was out uh, patrolling the yard earlier this week, and I noticed my viburnum bush was gnawed significantly. I mean, every stem had gnawed marks. I said, well, but that's got to be the squirrels because they'll gnaw on anything. Um but I've also noticed in the past uh, that rabbits uh, will will shear off uh, soft plants this time of year. Right. And don't don't discount the deer because I, I didn't hear it mentioned how high up these cuts were. But I think the wildlife could be very responsible for a lot of what she was talking about. Yeah, that could very well be the case. And uh, so, you know, but uh, yeah, it's uh, this time of year. Wildlife, especially if we have an extended dry period, they're using certain things for moisture. But, uh, you know, Rosa Sharon is, you know, a deciduous. So whatever this was, just, chew, you know, making these chew marks, it's kind of tough right. to say. That's really all I had. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks. I greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. It. Bye. And uh, that's about it for today. Uh, one thing, soon we're going to be buying cut flowers. And like for Valentine's Day or something like that, when you bring the cut flowers home from the store or nursery or or florist or wherever you get them, recut the stem. And the best thing to do is recut it, you know, put it under, a let's say, a, the faucet and put the faucet or the water coming out of the faucet at a kind of warm and cut it at a 45-degree angle. So in other words, you and cut about one to two inches off if you're able to. So any kind of you know cut flowers that you get, it's always good to recut the bottom of the stem, and then that will go directly into a vase that you're going to keep the the plant into. Another thing too, just related to house plants, don't do any kind of fertilizing on your house plant unless it's doing some new growth or it's in flower. So no fertilizer till that happens, and until the days get a little bit longer. And uh, once your house plants get pot bound, so in other words, you start seeing pots or <laughs> root systems coming out of the drainage holes in the bottom, you can move the plants to a container, but make it so the container that you're moving it up to is only one to two inches bigger than the current one. So when you pull it out of the existing pot, kind of shake the root system up or wiggle it with your fingers to try to get some of the existing potting mix off of it and then plant it in a pot that, like I said, one to two inches larger, and use a potting mix. Don't use potting soil at all. And uh, growing factors, light, temperature, nutrients, moisture, and humidity. 
So just keep that in mind. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. Thanks to the team of producers. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.